The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today, it is my honor to welcome Mr. Edward Maltby. He is the executive director of the Northeast Organic Dairy Producers Alliance, which is the largest grassroots organization of organic dairy producers. Their goal is to advocate on behalf of producers for a sustainable pay price and to protect the integrity of USDA's organic regulations. While the Northeast Organic Dairy Producers Alliance represent organic dairy producers in the East, the organization is actively involved with its sister organizations in the Midwest and West. Mr. Maltby is himself a producer with over 45 years of experience managing conventional and organic dairy, beef, sheep, and vegetable enterprises on a variety of different farms in Europe and the United States. For the past 20 years, Mr. Walpi has worked with regional farms to cooperatively market their products into mainstream markets, ranging from direct marketing of lambs and organic produce to establishing a cooperative of dairy farmers who direct market their own brand of milk in western Massachusetts. Mr. Walpi has served on the USDA Dairy Industry Advisory Committee to advise the Secretary of Agriculture on dairy policy, and he serves on the Organic Farmers Association Steering and Advisory Committees. Welcome, Ed. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. I am so glad to talk to you about all things related to organic dairy. There is a big curtain, I think, that needs to be pulled back so that consumers like myself understand what happens between the farm and the grocery store shelf where we purchase our milk most often. But before we dive into that, let me just ask you, how did you get started in your work in agriculture? Did you grow up on a farm? Oh, no. I grew up in suburban England along the south coast. And my father was a a chartered accountant with a large international accounting firm. And he and I, as is quite common with children, uh, disagreed with some fundamental things when I was about 15 or 16. And I said, I'm going off the farm and thinking it would be the most annoying thing I could do. And I did. And I went off and I found it was exactly what I needed and wanted to do. I learned the trade from the bottom up. And uh, I just love farming. I love working with animals and committed to farmers receiving a fair price for the excellent products they produce day by day, year by year, no matter what the weather and what the conditions or what the politicians say. Right. Now, did you start out on a conventional farm? How did you reach your opinions about the benefits of organic food and farming? I started on a conventional farm and learned the basics about husbandry and and crop production. And as I grew more knowledgeable I started to question the role of herbicides, pesticides, especially pesticides, because the application of those is is very harmful, especially in production stages, and even more so when I was doing it, which is 
quite a few years ago and started looking for an alternative that was not just a marketing gimmick and that could actually benefit the soil, benefit the people who worked on the soil, and also benefit the consumer. And that's what led me to organic and then to organic certification. And then when I came to this country, then looking at the third-party certified process, which ended up being a federal program. And the uniqueness of the National Organic Program and the Organic Seal is that the product is verified and accounted for from the time it's in the field all the way through to the consumer. It's not perfect, and it is a lot of room for improvement, but it is the only seal out there that is a federal seal enforced by the federal government and is third-party certified at every stage of production. Exactly. Lately, though, what we've seen is this divide, right? We hear talk about organic farmers who really meet those USDA-specified standards, and then we hear about, quote-unquote, industrial organic. And what it does to the consumer then is the consumer says, well, I don't know what I'm getting at the supermarket. Why should I be paying more for the organic product when I don't know if it is this real organic or true to the organic standards versus this industrial organic, which has been allowed to find loopholes and slip through the kind of production that we really don't want when we buy organic. And that is one of the challenges with the organic certification because the organic certification is process verified, and that means you have to follow certain steps. And when the organic rules were enacted back in 2002, that was when the industry was relatively small and there wasn't as much demand as there is now, as with anything in this world. As there is an opportunity to earn profit, then people tend to bend the rules Mm. and then you end up in the hands of lawyers who actually read the detail of different regulations and say you can't enforce that. And one important part of organic certification is that cows should have access to pasture and to you and me access to pasture means oh they go out to the field and they graze and they get nutrition from the grass and they come back and get milked but to a lawyer then access to pasture could mean oh there's a door at the end of the barn if i open that door the cows have access to pasture Mm. doesn't mean that they have to go on to pasture So over the last 20 years, we've been working to revise and make those standards more legally enforceable. In 2010, there was a highly publicized access to pasture regulation that actually defined what is required when a cow goes out to pasture, that they have to consume a certain amount of feed and over a certain number of days. And that made it easier for certification agencies to enforce that. And we're slowly getting to a point now where those rules uh, are enforced across the board. And the National Organic Program within USDA that was set up to run organic certification has increased from, I think, four people in 2004 to over 70 people now. Still small by USDA standards, but 
now it's in a position to be able to interpret the regulation, enforce the regulation, and bring some penalty to those that are not following the both the intent and the wording of regulation. Mm. Well, that's good to know. Because as a consumer, I really don't have any way of knowing when I go to the supermarket which brands are more trustworthy than others. And I think that that is a problem for consumers in the marketplace, especially when they're being asked to pay a premium price. I would agree. And that, to be honest, is not something that has been done unintentionally. There is that intentional lack of transparency in how milk gets moved around the country. Mm. But I think coming back to organic for a minute is that you can be sure that if it's certified, even if it's on a 10,000 cow organic certification, which to me is just nonsense because I don't know how you send 10,000 cows out to get grazing. (laughs) Right. But at least with that certification, you know that the cows are fed is not produced using herbicides, pesticides, and there's no artificial hormones used in in the production of the milk. So there's a a very high bar there to start with when compared with conventional milk. Um, Exactly. And the effect on the environment, we now live in an age when people have at last woken up to the horrors of um, global warming, and organic farming in itself is the very essence of preserving the environment because it gives back and builds the fertility of the soil over many years rather than having outside chemical inputs being put into the soil that degrade the soil and wash out all its goodness. But to come back to the transparency around I'm a consumer, which brand should I buy? It's a very difficult question to answer because in the marketplace you have both brand names and you have the store brand and the in any number of times the same milk that's in say an organic valley carton could be in the store brand right and the retailer has a contract with organic valley to supply x number of gallons of milk which is shipped into a processing plant and probably ultra pasteurized so that it can be warehoused for a few months and then taken to the store. And with an ultra-pasteurization, then the shelf life has been lengthened so that you don't get the returns, you don't get the difficulties on the retail end. Right. And from a producer's point of view, then what the farmer gets paid is really up to the buyer, which for organic, it could be Organic Valley, or it could be Horizon, uh, Danone, or Stonyfield in in the Northeast. And the decision about what the farm will be paid is in the hands of those buyers. And the farmer has no leverage. With conventional milk, the conventional milk is pulled under the federal milk marketing order. And there are federal regulations that protect the farmer and may not be providing a good pay price, but at least it is a pay price that is equally applied across the country. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that you were involved in establishing a cooperative of dairy farmers who direct market their own brand of milk in Western Massachusetts. And to the untrained reader like myself, when I read this, at first I think, 
isn't this a better way to go about having dairy products, especially as we saw with the pandemic, where I don't know that we can really depend on this nationwide network or even international network of moving our food around. It seems that it would be smarter, both from a climate change perspective as well as from this pandemic threat, to have more regionalized food production systems. Of course, that requires infrastructure. But tell me your thoughts about that. How should we be thinking about the direction ahead if we are to be truly resilient? And I think it does come down to developing regional systems, not only with the our family farms in western Massachusetts, then the milk that's in that package is from those farms and it's processed locally. And the farmers not only benefit from the sale of the milk, but they also benefit from the value-added dollars coming in on the marketing side. And when you look at how that breaks down, then with conventional milk, the farmer gets about 60% of the retail price on average. With organic milk, then the farmer gets about 40%. So there has to be a way that the farmer can get more control over how their milk is processed, packaged, marketed, and distributed. And what we've seen in the last 10, 15, 20 years is the mothballing of the local infrastructure. A lot of publicity around the meatpacking side of stuff, but it's also within dairy as a commodity. And my experience in the Northeast is that as some of the large conglomerates take more power, then they buy up processing factories and close them down. And then they are in greater control by using the large ultra-processed packaging facilities. So without the local infrastructure, then groups like our family farms find it very difficult to package their own milk, ensure to the consumer, this goes back to your last question, ensure to the consumer that that milk comes from those farms that are within their community, whether it be a regional community like New England or even more locally than that, coming down to uh, different states or counties. And that is what the consumer wants, greater transparency of where their milk comes from, how it is processed, how the animals are treated, but also how the farmer is treated. Mm -hmm. And it horrifies me when when I talk to some of our farmer members and they say, well, we're on food stamps. And Mm. uh, why? Because we don't get paid enough. So it's an indictment of our society that we have organic farmers that don't get enough back to cover their production costs and their product has been sold at a high price in the market. So in order for farmers to take more control of that, then we need investments in infrastructure. We need investments in the knowledge of how that infrastructure functions. And we also need to reinvest in the startup younger people that want to enter farming as you know, the average age of farmers is always quoted as being over 50s into 60s. And what we're losing from the region is that innate skill of how to farm. And if it carries on down this road where everything comes from large dairies, even on the organic side that are, are run by professional 
veterinarians and and you haven't got that skill being passed down to the younger farms. There's no mentorship out there for young farmers to know, to gain that knowledge through looking at their neighbors and talking. And, and it's a skill that once lost will never be returned. Mm, yeah. Well, Ed, let me take one break and just remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Mr. Ed Maltby. He is the executive director of the Northeast Organic Dairy Producers Alliance. It is the largest grassroots organization of organic dairy producers. Their goal is to advocate on behalf of producers for a sustainable pay price and to protect the integrity of USDA's organic regulations, which benefits all of us. Well, Ed, I want to jump ahead to something that happened recently. I mean, I've, you know, I've heard stories nationally about the hardships that many farm families are facing, and in particular, dairy farms, where you know, dairy farmers are selling their herds, they're no longer able to farm, thousands of farms have closed because the economics just doesn't support them. And yet, you know, we still love our milk and our cheese. And I'm with you on organic production, especially with regard to stewarding of the land when we're facing climate change. It seems crazy that we wouldn't be using our tax dollars to reward farmers for protecting our air, our water and soil. But uh, something happened in August of 2021, where Danone North America notified 89 organic dairy farm families that they would be ending their contracts and pulling out of the Northeast U.S. market. And for the average reader who's reading this, I'm thinking, gosh, what are those farmers going to do? So I wonder if you could explain a little bit about Danone North America. They're huge. They're everywhere. They produce both organic and non-organic products. How and why on earth would they just abandon 89 organic dairy farm families? And have they been thinking about the consequences on these families and the communities in which they live? And that's sort of the big question that we're asking. You know, from this particular incident, we can take the story of how this process happened and apply it to any number of different conventional and organic dairy farms across the country. Danon North America, with its directly tied to Danon International, which is the third largest dairy company in the world, reached this decision, and they'll freely admit it, because it was too expensive to truck milk to their large processing plant. So that was a purely dollar bottom line profit decision. They didn't take into account, or if they did, they didn't do anything about it, about the effect on the rural communities. They didn't take into account that they were dealing with organic dairy farmers who had helped set up the brand 20 years ago and were still selling the milk into that brand. And the devastation that this has caused, not just to individual families, but to local communities that rely on those dairies for their tax base, for their schools, for their professional services, the suppliers, is, is can be multiplied out many, many times. And this is a company that is what they call B Corp certified. Mm -hmm. uh, and the B Corp certification is supposed to 
carry with it the requirement that companies think of the community they affect, of how their actions are going to be to affect not only the individual supplier, but the whole community around of which they purport to serve. Now, when we asked that question of Danon, they said they had taken that into account. And then we asked the same question of the B Corp people. And they said, well, no, that's okay. You know, Danon has a right to choose its supplier. It may not get as high a marks on its net certification, but no, that's okay to take these 89 farms out of the organic market and the effect on the local community. Well, they've got a right to choose that as a supplier. So when you look into the whole marketing of products, you've got to go through a swamp of misinformation by companies that are using the latest buzzwords, which in this case and in many other cases just don't apply to the situation. And Dannon's choice of which processor and packager of the Horizon brand in, in the Northeast was a processor that was at the far western end of New York, near Buffalo, New York. And they were trucking milk from the tip of Maine all the way down to the far western part of New York because they said they didn't have any other option. Now, they do, in fact, have plenty of other options. They just chose not to use them. They chose not to invest in increasing infrastructure in other areas of the Northeast. That decision was obviously made at a high level because they, instead of investing in the organic dairy and in the organic dairy community, which had supported the brand name for 20-odd years, they invested in, now I'm afraid I must show my total bias, in non, non-milks. Mm, the, um, mm-hmm. the plant-based uh, milks. The plant-based and the, I know a lot of people that swear by them, but they are not milk to my turn. Yeah, it's <laughs> odd that they the can be. Case. Yeah, it's odd that they can be called milk. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, milk comes from a mammal. It doesn't come from a nut. Right. Uh, and uh, so, you know, they invested millions, literally millions, up to 100 millions in improving their uh, plant-based milk processing factories in in Ohio, in Pennsylvania, in Virginia, and never a thought of working with an existing facility in eastern New York or looking at how they might work with some of the existing processing and packaging plants in Vermont. So, you know, this decision was, we need to get rid of this problem. Boom. Okay, in a year's time, you guys you won't have a buyer for your organic milk. And this is particularly bad at, at this point because there is a, a surplus of organic milk that, and which has caused a um, drop in the pay price that, that farmers get, but also a lack of buyers who would take these farmers on. Mm. And so we're working very hard to try and put together some different opportunities for these farmers who... Uh, in some cases, might just retire early. In others, they'll go back to conventional production. Mm. Uh, others will diversify. But they'll all end up losing lots of money. From the point of view, if they have to sell their cows, they'll be selling them at a, at a lower price. They've got debt to pay. And 
you know, from a if you're a farmer, then it's your life. And these are all small to mid-sized family farms. And so it's not like, oh, you know, okay, I got fired from this job, I'll go and find another. It's you got fired from your way of life. You've invested your all your assets in these operations. You've invested a lot of sweat equity along with your family. And you'll end up with hopefully enough to pay off your debts and hopefully enough for those which are who are older enough to be able to continue to farm on a limited scale to support your retirement. Exactly. Well, Ed, you've got a wonderful write-up of what has happened, what some options are for these farmers on the nodpod.com website, and I will provide that for our listeners. We just have a minute left, and I do want to point out one thing that we can do as consumers to help these organic farmers. The Danone organic milk is sold under the Horizon label, and one of the action steps that has been recommended is that we boycott that brand and that we also let retailers know that we don't want to purchase Horizon because of the way they have mistreated their, you know, the sole source of their organic milk. Yes, and, you know, consumers have power. And it only takes three or four people complaining to their store manager saying, you know, we don't want this product in our store for that to quickly go through to the buyers. And, you know, as indication of the power of consumers, then uh, we recently did a petition asking Dannon to look at reinvesting in the region, look at reinvesting in those farms that they have brutally cut off. And, And within a week, we got over 16,000 signatures to that petition, which we've now presented to Danone. But, you know, look for the... Every package of milk has a plant number on it on the top of that, which is not always easy to see. But if in doubt, then go with the Organic Valley brand. They are amongst the best in the way they treat farmers. If you can get the message through to Danone that you don't, just not one horizon that you think that the way they treat their farmers is so bad that you don't want any of their other products, then that's, again, a good thing to do. And it is only by this action on a very grassroots level, you know, one or two consumers at a time, that it's going to have any effect on the future of regional agriculture and the ability to maintain a viable rural community that protects the environment, that protects the source of food, that can, in times of crisis, respond directly to the people that live in their community, Mm -hmm. as happened with farmers markets and all the other local growers that suddenly found that they were in great demand. Let's learn that lesson and learn how to treat farmers better. That's a perfect note to end on. I want to thank you so much for being my guest. I need to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn for KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Edward Maltby, Executive Director of the Northeast Organic Dairy Producers Alliance. And I will provide a link again, Ed, to NADPA. And all of this that we've been talking about is very well described on your website for people who want to know more. Thank you again for your work, and may we have justice for 
organic dairy farmers, organic farmers all over the country for what they're doing in terms of protecting our planet against climate change. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for your interest and the opportunity to talk with your listeners. Mm-hmm.